0: Welcome everyone to the unofficial therapy podcast. My name is Chris Kane, and this is our last show for 2017. So give it up for yourselves, and give it up for me uh, for having this platform and for having you guys at least care a little bit enough for me to keep making these. I want to give a shout out to everyone who's listened, who's told friends, coworkers, who've supported me, even if they haven't like reached out personally. But listening is support, and I've wanted to have a podcast for years now. I didn't know like all the nuances of it or what to call it and if there would be an audience for it. But you guys have supported me. I've gotten good feedback. I'm going to keep doing them. Hopefully, I'm going to keep expanding them. I have some ideas for the coming year. I'm really appreciative that you guys wouldn't even allow me to have this platform. So thank you, for, thank you for being here and for allowing me to do what I do. Um, at the end of every year, I usually is like some kind of recap of the year that I had and what this does is it allows you to have a better representation of what your year was. Usually people have some kind of recency bias where if the end of the year is tough for you because loved ones or holidays or you know job slowdowns or whatever then it's like man 2018 was kind of rough but then you think back and like in March you may have done something really dope or over the summer it may have been good for you and This has been, for me, (laughs) maybe the most difficult year I've had in terms of trying to get adjusted to L.A., uh, getting this off the ground, stand-up, written projects with my group Solstice, and it's just been a lot of little things that have kind of knocked me back a number of times. But at the same time, it's also been a tremendous year of accomplishment, man. The fact that we have our group, the fact that I have a podcast, the fact that I've been able to you know, travel and you know see family and friends. My sister had a baby. Shout out to little Antonio. But I know the year is, there's always a mixed bag, right? It's very rarely all bad. It's almost never all good, right? But as long as you, I guess, learn lessons from what didn't go well, I try to take lessons from all this stuff. All my struggles up to this point, I think, were a way of kind of resetting Mm -hmm. where I was. So this is, like, I guess, my own therapy podcast now. Um, Where I was was I was living here, but I was living on the edge where, like, if anything went wrong, then my life can kind of go sideways. And I was able to do that for months because, you know, you have to hustle to be out here. But that's not a really good way to live, and it's definitely not a sustainable way to live. And so... This year has been a struggle because it's made me take a step back and try to reestablish what my footing is. Like get a more stable residence, car, job, friendship groups, like relational stuff. All those things that kind of like even out and be more solid is what this year has really been for me. It's been essentially a reset, which I guess sounds like a step backwards if you look at it on the surface. But once you're solid, then you can build pretty much anything on top of it, right? And I was trying to build stuff on an unstable surface. And so this year has been resetting to then build forward for 2018, 19, 20, and, and beyond. And so I look at it as a necessary part of my life to do what I've been doing this year. As I said last week, this has been the first year I haven't like, gone back home for the holidays. And I would love to see mom and sisters and brothers and my dad and all that stuff. That would have been dope. But it, it, wasn't, it wasn't in the cards this year. But next year, not only will it be in the cards, but it'll be even sweeter because we got to miss each other a little bit more. Like, you miss me for a year. So when I come back next year, it's like, oh, man, it's cool to see the kids a little bit more grown up, to see how my mom and dad are doing, to see family and friends. It'll be, more, it'll be sweeter, but it'll be more righteous because I'll be doing it not, you know, maxed out and not pushed to the limit I could do it comfortably and that's kind of what I think most people aspire to do is live the life they want to live but do it somewhat comfortably and, I, and that's, that's what I take away from my 2017 is you got to fall back sometimes to then move forward right if you guys follow me on Instagram I always have the hashtag always forward because you should always just be pushing forward for whatever goals or career or whatever, whatever it is you do you should be trying to move forward and upward and better in it. But sometimes you have to fall back for a step to then move forward. And if you just keep going forward and burning your candle too hard, then you're going to burn out. So that's my main takeaway from this year. But I've met some amazing people, man, and people have come in and out of my life. And that there are more people, like mentor-type people and people in the industry and lawyers and doctor people who I think – are, gra- are gravitating towards what I am and what I'm trying to do now. And so it's only exciting going forward. It can only get better going forward. I'm destroying my words here. It can only get better going forward. So 2018 is going to be really exciting. Um, the podcast is going to expand a little bit. My goal is to triple my listenership, and I have some ideas for how that's going to take place. I don't want to get into it right now because I don't want to expose all my secrets. I just I got some ideas I'm working on. Just know things are going to be coming. So I wanted to talk about another topic that's near and dear to my heart and that's emotional intelligence. And usually when you hear emotional intelligence you're really referring to how well you kind of relate to the people around you or to the room you're in. And so it's how well do you relate to your spouse, significant other, your bosses, family, kids, whatever. Um, in this respect, I'm going to slightly augment the meaning to mean how you relate to yourself and how well you know yourself. I believe very strongly that most causes of adult misfortunes, other than like, you know, things out of your control, stem from you not really being in touch with yourself. And I think it's knowing what you're good at, what you're bad at, what you have to offer, and what you're willing to endure. I think it's really the crux of how most things happen in your life. So if you've been in five consecutive bad relationships, and then you blame the people you've been in relationships with, really the issue is either you're looking for negative traits in people and it keeps manifesting, or you haven't learned a lesson from the stuff you should have learned right like you've gone through five relationships and you haven't learned a lesson from it yet and that's because you haven't either been self-reflective enough you haven't saw other perspectives you haven't like taken a step back to kind of grow as a person or if you're at a job you hate and so it's you know carrying over into your regular life where now your job is depressing so now you're depressed and then you bring that depressed energy into other people you interact with and you kind of keep going from there and it's like, why, why are you doing something you dislike to that level that your life is just, ugh, again, and it'll work again. And, it's, and I've had this conversation with teachers and principals and like other educators. I believe that there should be a course taught at some point, maybe as early as kindergarten or first grade, that really revolves around emotional intelligence. Because we've, we're, we're never really taught how to relate to ourselves or how to like really mine our psyches and stuff to find out what makes us tick. You may get lucky and take psychology like in high school or college or something like that. But usually the damage is done at an early age. Whatever our childhood traumas are usually happen before we're like five. So now that you're 22 and you're like, I'm taking psychology. It's like, yeah, but (laughs) you've been dealing with whatever you've been dealing with for 17 years, right? So I think at an early age, we don't know, so this is, this is a good example. If a kid is like five or six and they're really good at baseball and they get made captain of the baseball team. Hey, captain of the baseball team, you have to run this. You're gonna be a professional baseball player. You're really good at this. That kid's identity on some level is tied to being a baseball player. They don't know any other context. It's, I've been at home with mom and dad or a nanny and now I'm in school playing baseball and I'm the captain, right? But what happens if they struggle at baseball? Or, God forbid, they get injured and that they can't play baseball anymore. Like, what, what do they fall back on? Do they fall back on, okay, well, baseball's not everything. I love it. I want to do it. But if I don't have baseball, I can always still be good at school or I can be a good teammate or I can help coach up the guys behind me. Like, what? what's your fallback? And I don't think kids are taught that. And so as a result, they latch onto an identity kind of early on. And if that ever gets betrayed, and then they're kind of lost and then you kind of stay lost going forward until if something new happens but i really do i don't know exactly how the curriculum how the curriculum would go i'm not i'm not a lesson planner <laughs> nor am i a teacher i just have an idea and i think part of the problem is that the people who are teaching us never got the lesson themselves either right so i don't know how many teachers who are I don't know, forty and above, have ever had any conversations about their emotional intelligence, or about dealing with stress, or dealing with sadness, or you know or even better, success. Right? It can it can go the opposite way. You can win early and then just become that person and then never know how to process losing. And then that becomes a thing. I I think it should be right between <laughs> math and, and English, right? Most kids hate math and English allows your brain to really kind of expand and you can kind of interpret English however you want. So math is rigid, English is kind of expansive, so right in between the two. Emotional intelligence. And it actually primes you to, it takes you from the rigidity of math and then kind of segues you into what English can be for you. But I find myself as an adult, and it's a big part of why this podcast exists, talking to adults who in their late 20s, early 30s, are still trying to find out what their worth is. Which is amazing to me. Like, they can be lawyers, they can be doctors, they can be, you know, accountant-type people. People who are accomplished. And you say, okay, you've done a lot. And then you start talking to them, you realize they don't know how to process love well. Or a a really easy example is if you compliment someone, like, just watch how they react to it. This is what I've seen. If I just give you a compliment and you just... (laughs) You just kind of lock up. It's like, this is just, it's, a, it's a compliment. Hey, you look nice today. And you just kind of lock up. It's a weird thing. It can, thank you. I, I tried. Or thank you. I, I really appreciate that. It's a very simple way to acknowledge a compliment. Now, if it's like one of those compliments where it's like, damn, girl, you look, you know, <laughs> yeah, okay. Maybe that's weird enough putting I get that. But I've given just regular women, thirty-five years old. Compliment. Wow, you look you look amazing today. And I just see their face light up, and they don't even there's, they don't know what to say back. There's just nothing there. It's just like I thank you. Kind. I don't know what to do now. I can't just process that because it's all, everything that's been done to me emotionally has been either just straight up sexual, just I want to sleep with you, or it's been you know passive, I want a friendship, backdoor, blah, blah, blah stuff. They're just, you look nice. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's just, a, it's just a very, I think it's a very adult way to handle a very simple situation. But you have adults who don't know how to handle like basic rejection or like getting fired. I think getting fired, is, they say, it's like one of the worst things in the world, right? But let's say you're an accountant and your firm closes down. Okay, so you have a you have a practice, you have a skill set, certifications, what have you. The idea that okay, I'm in a somewhat specialized field, I should be able to find a different job, seems fairly logical, right? It's not, it's not, I'm not, you know, reaching too hard there. But the idea that oh man, I got fired, now what's going to happen? What if I can't find it? And you start freaking out, and it's like, why would you think you won't be able to find a job? That is a, are there is there that many accountants in the world that? you're going to be unemployed and then even if you're unemployed for longer than you want to do you not have any other resources saved up you not know people in the industry can you not connect with people It's the idea of just oh no doom and gloom my life is over it seems irrational when you I guess on some level are a rational person it doesn't it doesn't add up and it's how do we deal with rejection and sadness and loss I'll give you guys a quick story well it's, actually, well, it's not a really quick story. It's just a... Uh, it's what my life was for a long time. I spent a majority of my life having, like, crushes and, you know, liking girls and never telling them about it because I was always afraid they would reject me if I did. This happened up until, I don't know, probably age 16. So all those years, like, from... Probably, like, my first girl, like, in second grade. So from second grade to like ninth, tenth grade, I would have a crush on a girl. I would like be around her. I would do that awkward (laughs) kids thing where you just kind of hover around her and laugh at her jokes or even if they're terrible, try to like help out and, hey, I'll, I'll hold the door for you, like all that stuff you see on TV. But I would never tell them how I actually felt because I had no concept of how to handle them saying, oh, I appreciate the fact that you like me, but I don't feel the same way. I got rejected one time, like in third grade. I told this girl Simone. I don't know her last name, so she's protected. I say, "Hey Simone, will you go with me?" She was like, "Oh, sorry, Chris, you're just a friend." And I was crushed, devastated. And I had to keep seeing Simone because we had classes together. And every time I saw her, it's like someone just tore the wound open again. It's like, oh God, Simone. And my immediate thought was. Why would she? Why would Simone like me? I'm a nerd. I'm short. And I got glasses. Like, yeah, she shouldn't like me. And then I was tearing myself down when it really could just be, I'm not Simone's type. Or maybe Simone had a dude. I mean, that's third grade. That's you know she getting rough. But, <laughs> but it could be anything. But in the moment, I had no concept of, it's not necessarily me. It could have been something I did to her. Maybe I cut her off in class. Maybe I, you know took her lunch money. I, I done, it could have been any number of factors, but the fact that I immediately internalized it is what did I do wrong? What's wrong with me? Of course she shouldn't like me. And I went the next like seven years just lusting and hovering around women I really had a thing for. I never said anything because I just didn't want to be turned down. And eventually I did ask a girl out and I was turned down like in ninth and 10th grade. And one of her friends told me You know, there's a lot of girls who like you, but you're following this one girl. You know, like, okay, so she doesn't like you. Doesn't mean that no one likes you. Why are you giving this much attention to this girl who doesn't like you? Focus on the ones who do like you and then go from there. And it was like some super, like, dope wisdom from, like, a 16-year-old. Very wise above her years. And it really changed the way I saw the game because essentially I had disqualified myself from all these other girls by never asking them. And even later in life, I think maybe 19 or 20 in college, I was talking to this girl, and then I like bailed early. I got out early. We went on a date, and we set up a second date, and she had to cancel. And I just said, you know what? I'm not putting up with this. I just, I just left because I didn't want to get played. I was trying to protect myself. right? I didn't want to get on a second and third date. And then eventually, she realizes that I don't really like this guy. And now I've paid for two or three dates, and then I feel like I'm the dumb guy that took a girl out on some hype beast kind of thing. Gave her all these meals and my time and money, and then she bounced. So I bounced early. Her and I eventually had a conversation. Because I ghosted her back before ghosting was like a texting thing. (laughs) This is like eight years ago. And eventually her and I had a conversation. And she said, why did you just kind of bounce? What happened? Why did you leave? And I said, well, because we had a date, and then you canceled, so I thought you were trying to play me. So I said, you ain't going to play me. I'm going to be out. I'm going to take control of my situation. And she was just like, no, I, my friend's birthday was on the same day. They wanted to hang out, and so we didn't hang out. Why would, you, why would you leave without talking to me? You essentially ended any possibility of us possibly going out again, and we don't know what we could have been because you took control of the situation, and you took the decision out of my hands. You walked out walked away, and now I, I, don't, I don't have a part in the story. you just up and left. And when she said that, it really was, like, alarming because I thought I'm going to protect myself, look out for my own star player. I felt righteous. And then when she said that, I felt like an idiot. <laughs> and I really couldn't justify it fully because what she said was more right than what I was thinking And so it was, but it all kind of came back to that third grade thing. It was, I didn't want to be turned down. I didn't want to be, and no one wants to be rejected for the record. I don't care how many times you ask people out and get turned down. You could say, I don't care if I ever get turned down. No one likes to get rejected for relationships, for like credit cards, for school applications. No one wants to be rejected. It really does, it hurts the ego a lot. So I really do believe that, but it was, I can kind of trace it all the way back to, you know, seven, eight years later, I'm still dealing with asking Simone out, but it's just a different girl now. And I wish, I have older brothers. I wish I would have like gone to them, but I was embarrassed because I'm a kid and I wish I would have gone to them and say, Hey man, I asked this girl out and she just, I don't know. She said, I'm just a friend. And they probably would have been like, man, forget that girl. You three, (laughs) you're in third grade, man. You can find another one. But I think there is some kind of curriculum or at least some kind of checklist that kid can go through where it's like you know you're okay, it's okay- it's okay for everyone not to like you. It's okay if something you really want doesn't go your way. It's not the end of the world, especially when you're young, like you essentially have your whole life ahead of you um, process what happened like were you reading signs the wrong way, or you know is it is it something that, did you really like this person? How much do you know about them? Do they really know you? And then you can just, I mean, they can be any number of things on a checklist. I'm just kind of spitballing now. But the idea of being turned down and then dealing with it for a decade later is ridiculous, right? Like, on its face. It doesn't make any sense. Especially that, unless you, like, get on one knee at a football game on a kiss cam. You're like, I love this girl. Will you marry me? And she's like... We're breaking up, and then that's different because now you're viral and it's like on Sports Center. It's like not top ten. This guy shoots and misses, right? That's that's a little different, right? But this this is third grade. That's not what this was. And I look back on it with some regret, but you you, know, you can't live with regrets, really. Um, something as small as that could really take over your life, and it could be anything. It could be you playing a sport, and let's say you take. You say you strike out to lose a championship game, and your teammates blame you because, you know, you're seven or eight, and they blame you because they don't know any better. And now you're scared to, like, be in those moments when the game is on the line or when people really need you, you're afraid you're going to let people down. And so you spend the rest of your life trying to hide in the shadows because if you're in the shadows, then you can't let people down. But really that's just a later representation of you striking out to lose the game. And someone can just say, hey, we lost the game. That's cool, man. Everyone strikes out at some point. This is going to hurt for a little bit. Your teammates are going to be mad about you, going to be mad at you about this. But you know what? Get better in spring training. Come back next year. Hopefully you guys get to play this team again, and hopefully you can get vindication. And even if you don't, learn a lesson from this. Like, It's not going to be the last game you ever play. And hopefully you can get past those kind of negative thoughts because I think those things – Always, they always pop up at the, at the worst possible time. Those childhood things you never quite dealt with, those abandonment things, those not being enough things, like self-worth, self-esteem kind of things, those things always pop up when you don't want them to. And I really think there should be something in place to help people out with that. Maybe, I sh- maybe that would be a thing for 2018. I don't really do new resolution stuff, but maybe that's something I can start trying to put together. I don't even know how this, could, this process works. I know schools are affected by states, and what curriculum is is maybe a government. I don't know how that whole thing goes. But I think it's maybe something that could get some traction if the curriculum made sense or if it was something that could be implemented legitimately. Because and you think about people in your own life. How many friends do you have that have dated the same person three or four times in a row, and they're always surprised that it doesn't go well? How I many friends you know that's stuck in a job that you know is beneath where they should be you know it like you're way more qualified and it's why you're doing this, and it's just, mm, just mm. and you know that's you know that's something you know there's something there like it's afraid to be great, you know the relationship thing you know it's you know it may be mom issues dad issues, it may be worth issues, it may be any number of things and you see it in your friends it's harder to see it in yourself, and that's why. I think this should be a topic because we can point out our friends. Oh, yeah, that Casey always dates this type of dude. Or, yeah, man, you know you know how Jake is when he, takes, when he loses the game, man. Don't be around Jake. Jake's got problems. And it's, but then you look at yourself and you don't see these things. And I think if we had a better understanding of what our traumas and our triggers and stuff are, and if we can identify them early when we are you know, young enough to really kind of work through them, I think maybe, just maybe, we can be more functional adults and who knows what that can look like in the future. But that's my part of wisdom to you guys. I really thank you guys for listening to the podcast this year. Again, 2018 is going to be super dope. I'm really excited about it. Again, if you have any questions or comments, hit me up on Twitter or IG at sexy comedy. Aside from that, you guys have a really safe New Year's Eve, New Year's day. And a really special 2018. Um, I hope you accomplish whatever your resolutions are, and generally just make the world a better place. I could have just I could have not said that. I really could have left. <laughs> could have I could have ended that a couple seconds early. But whatever, it was cheesy. I said it. Get over it. Thank y'all for listening. Bye.